Welcome to Data Savvy Educational Leadership, where we talk about all things related to leading a culture of data-informed instruction for your school. I'm Leah Torres with Education Foundations. I'm Heather Peltier with Education Foundations. And Leah and I have both served in leadership roles at the school, district, and state level. And we love sharing our expertise in high-impact data use strategies with other educational leaders. And today we're going to be talking about helping your teachers set meaningful learning goals for their students. We're going to give an overview of vocabulary of accountability as pertains to student goals. Then we're going to give you some examples of teacher goals that are centered on that vocabulary of learning. And then we're going to talk about the process and some resources for implementing those learner-centered goals. One of the things that we find whenever we get into schools and start working with them and looking at their teacher's goals is that goals often look like this. So we'll see things like, at least 85% of my students will make learning gains this year. All of my students will score at or above the 50th percentile. 90% or more of my students will score at least level three on the state math test. And all of these are couched in the vocabulary of accountability. So you'll notice that these sound an awful lot like school grades or state report cards for schools. And there are a few reasons why this happens. So the first is district and school administrators are held to those accountability goals by the state. So to administrators, these are really the most important goals, those accountability framed goals. Then administrators often ask their teachers to align their student learning goals to the administrator goals or to the school-wide goals. The other big reason that we see this happening is that administrators are former teachers and that might be how they were taught to set goals for their students. So they may have always set goals using accountability vocabulary because that may have been how they were taught. I know whenever I first started teaching, that was how I was taught. I was asked by my administration to set goals like this using vocabulary of accountability. So I had to target a percentage of students that were going to score at or above proficient on the state test. And the problem with this is that accountability goals from a teacher perspective really don't work for a few reasons. So first is they're not instructionally actionable. Teachers can hit the target or they can miss the mark and they're not sure why and they're not sure what to do next. So what if 90% of their students aren't scoring at or above proficiency on that state test? What does that mean for them in terms of their instruction? The other thing, and we talked about this earlier in the episode where we were talking about some of the effects of the pandemic, on how we're looking at and using data. And one of those effects was that we have a large population now of new and alternative certified teachers. New teachers and alternative certification teachers oftentimes struggle understanding the alignment between the state assessment and their instructional practices in the classroom. And that walk back between the two is key for any measurable growth on the state assessments. So it's really difficult to make that clear connection from state assessment all the way to what's happening on a day-to-day basis in their classroom. Because of that, that's causing them then uncertainty about the alignment, that's leading to increased stress, increased pressure for them, and this is another one of those reasons that we know we are losing those new teachers. So if you have new teachers, and you're training them to set student goals using their vocabulary of accountability, their instruction is not going to improve for the very reason that these accountability goals are very disconnected, at least in their minds, from 
what's happening instructionally. So something to think about is how you'll know whether your teachers are using that vocabulary of accountability versus vocabulary of learning when they're setting goals. So here are a few flags that will identify vocabulary of accountability-centered goals for you. So if they're centered around state accountability or school grade metrics, and that's one sign, if they look similar to administrator goals. Now, teacher roles are really different from administrator roles. And so while we should see consideration and alignment, the teacher goals are going to have to look different because teachers are not administrators. They're in there day to day looking at the individual needs of each student, whereas the administrator needs to pull back, look at that higher level. They're looking at student by class, sometimes grouped by teachers, sometimes grouped by subgroup, just by necessity, typically because schools are larger than one teacher classroom size, administrators have to have that big picture view. And so we expect their goals to look different. So if your teacher goals look like your goals as an administrator, then that is another sign that you could be using vocabulary of accountability. If you're noticing a disconnect in the goal setting, disconnect between curriculum and instruction and the goals that you're seeing. If you're noticing goals that are not instructionally actionable, something that doesn't have a clear, okay, students aren't able to do this. They didn't meet this goal. Now what are my next steps in terms of instruction? Those are also signs that you're using vocabulary of accountability in your teacher goal setting. The last sign here is, and this is really important, we talked in an earlier episode about using multiple data points to engage teachers from different subjects. What we see a lot whenever we see teacher goals that are centered around the vocabulary of accountability is we'll see a focus on specific subjects. And those specific subjects are the state tested subjects. So typically reading, maybe writing, mathematics, possibly science at certain grade levels. This makes it again, really difficult for teachers of non-tested subject areas to come up with student goals that are meaningful for them in terms of what students are learning in their course. Now in contrast, let's talk now about vocabulary of learning goals and what you'll see when your teachers have goals for their student learning that are centered around learning. So these goals are centered around the big ideas of the course. They're grounded in the standards and in classroom instruction. They are instructionally actionable. These goals are vertically aligned. So this is really key, is that teachers have had the opportunity to discuss across grade levels and make sure that these goals are aligned vertically and easy to incorporate into that continuous improvement process because you can see how students need to progress from one grade level to another. Now we know that you're going to have some teachers, maybe elective teachers, who might be the only teacher of their content area. But that's okay because alignment can still take place. So for example, if it's a teacher of Spanish, if they think, okay, what are the things I need to do right now to prepare my students so that whenever they move into high school or move into a higher grade level, if the teacher's in high school, that they will be prepared for an AP Spanish course. If it's, let's say, a career technical education course, what are the things that my students are going to need to know in order to be successful when they do get to the point where they're taking that industry certification exam. So these vocabulary of learning goals will apply to all subject areas because all subject areas have state standards and they have goals that students who are within the course need to be able to master. 
When we think about helping teachers create those learning-centered goals, the goals need to always be related to what you want the students to learn. They, again, need to be aligned vertically across grade levels and across teachers, if applicable. Centered around the big ideas of the course, the guaranteed viable curriculum. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a moment in terms of how to help teachers think through this. But this is the really important piece. Sometimes it's called power standards, but that guaranteed viable curriculum. What are the learning goals for that student within that course? These learning-centered goals will make sense for the students based on their prior learning and their needs. So for example, the student needs have to be taken into context, but not as a way to lower expectations. So students might come into the classroom with substantial gaps because of the pandemic. That doesn't mean that you're just setting lower goals across the board for them. It means that your students are going to need to show more growth in order to close those gaps. And so the goals really need to be cognizant of that take that into consideration that there's going to have to be a large amount of growth through the year. These learning center goals are easily communicated to, easily understood by students, and they're essential for closing those learning gaps for kids. So I'm going to give two examples of learning centered goals. And the first one is a language arts example. So in this example, the teacher's goal is all students will write argumentative essays with a valid claim and will cite evidence from the text to support the claim using grade level appropriate conventions and mechanics. So note, this goal is not a standard. We're not just repeating the text of the standards, but it is very much aligned both to the standards and to what students will need to know and be able to do in order to be successful on that outcome measure, which is the state test. So here you might have standards about having students compose argumentative essays, asking students to use precise grade level vocabulary when they're writing. You might have punctuation specific standards like using a colon. You might have standards on quoting and summarizing findings using a consistent citation style. And all of these standards will then tie into this goal. This is the learning centered goal. So for teachers having a goal like this, and especially as you're helping them develop these goals, if you are showing them those clear connections between the standards that they're teaching in their course and the goals that they have for their students, then these overarching goals will make a lot of sense for teachers. They'll also support your goal as an administrator or as an instructional coach or whatever leadership position you're in because they're going to be leading students toward success on the state assessment. So here's an example for math. All students will describe the context of the data using the shape of the data and use this to determine an appropriate measure of center and measure of variability. And again, just like with the ELA example, that learning goal is not a standard itself. It's not that a teacher's picked one standard and said, this is my power standard I'm going for and that's gonna be the goal I teach toward. This is an overarching learning goal that is then aligned to the standards. So in their standards, it's going to ask students to display numerical data in plots. It's going to ask students to summarize numerical data sets in relation to their context. It's gonna ask them to summarize those data sets by giving quantitative measures of center and variability. It's going to ask them to 
relate the choice of measures of center and variability to that distribution of the data. So these are the standards that are all tying back to that overarching learning goal in this example. So now we're gonna shift gears a little bit and give some suggestions for how you can work with your teachers on creating these learning-centered goals. So first of all, the number one recommendation is have an instructional coach, a lead teacher or a content specialist, someone who's familiar with that content or with the process at least, facilitate that teacher group. And the reason for this is because if you ask a group of teachers who've not done this before, to identify their power standards or create learning statements as part of a guaranteed viable curriculum, what's going to happen is that you will get back a list of standards themselves, and these are the standards that teachers judged as covering the major content of the course, which is helpful, but that's not what this is. So this is even broader, more overarching. What you're asking teachers to do when they work through this process is identify four to five non-negotiables from their curriculum. And those are going to be set as their learning-centered goals. These are the things, no matter what, we want every child to leave this class being able to, to know, to do, to understand these four to five things. These are non-negotiable content. They must be centered in learning. They have to be measurable through classroom assessment. So they have to be measurable and aligned to assessments. Teachers have to be able to track student progress through classroom assessments. We mentioned earlier, this is really important, they must be vertically aligned and show that progression that makes sense across grade levels. And consider that connection to the accountability goals and desire student outcomes. So it's not that their goals are accountability goals, but in the examples we showed, those are clearly aligned. So if students can do those things, if they can write that argumentative essay using the grade level appropriate vocabulary, using the correct grammar, spelling, punctuation, organizing their thoughts in a meaningful and coherent way, citing text, these are all going to make them successful on that state assessment. One of the resources that we like to use for going through this process is your state's performance or achievement level descriptors, your PLDs or ALDs. And what's nice about those, and again, these will vary by state. So some states do these much better than other states. Some are so broad that they really are not instructionally meaningful at all. Some of them are so granular that they're at the standard level. But what's nice about ALDs and PLDs is that they give some examples of performance for the same skill or standard across multiple levels so that teachers can really see how a student might progress in their learning. So here's a level, level two student, for example, might just identify the values of the digits in the ones, tens, hundreds, thousands places. Whereas a level three student might be able to express that a digit in one place represents 10 times as much as it does in the place to its right. So they'll be able to clearly see how those related concepts are progressing across the achievement levels or performance levels from the state test. This is a really nice resource, especially if you're, if you're working with teachers of state tested subject areas, but even if you're not, it's a really nice way to illustrate the concept. And sometimes what I've done when I'm working with, let's say PE teachers, music teachers, foreign language teachers, art teachers, is go down to a grade level with content that everyone's gonna be able to understand. So the example I just gave of the digits and the place value is a fourth grade math standard. I'm pulling it up and showing them an example of what this looks like with a different content area and then asking them to apply that same concept to their content. 
The other important part here is assessing the learning, and this ties back to the purpose of assessments. So administrators, if you're using benchmark tests, as an administrator, as an instructional coach, someone that's looking at data at the school level or across teachers, across classes, you're using those tests to monitor student growth and progress toward their goals. These usually provide more granular information than the state test, and they can be helpful for these student learning goals. But teachers might need some scaffolding to really correspond those skills and concepts or the learning statements both to their state standards and to their learning goals for the kids. And one thing to think about is helping teachers cross over from using the progress monitoring and using the data to finding the gaps to making the goals. Teachers might get lost in that, so making it a very clear line would be important when setting up and making the goals for teachers. And so this might be another area where your teachers need some support. I would not recommend just giving them the benchmark test data and saying, look at your data, figure out how this pertains to your goals for students. They're really going to need some scaffolding, again, especially if you've got new and alternative certified teachers. And one thing to think about is if you use a progress monitoring or a universal screener or some sort of diagnostic that's from a vendor, you can start moving away from setting goals that are based on scale scores and based on improving a RIT score or improving a scale score and moving into looking at the instructional bands that those vendors provide and say, okay, how did those instructional bands tie into what my goal is? These are where my students are struggling. I need to focus on this group of students on this instructional band so they I know that they're coming in with some sort of weakness in it or they scored lower in it. And instead of just saying, well, I'm going to improve their scores by tying it back to the standards and the goal, it's moving away from just improving a skill score, which is really vague for a student, and moving into something that is usable, especially for newer teachers or alternative cert teachers who might get this data, they'll meet, they're not really sure what to do with it or how to even change their instruction for the students to improve. And so this is a tie along between data that the teachers are getting and are told to use at the school-based level And then how does this transfer over to setting a goal for my students, setting a goal for myself? How do I help students improve? Am I preparing my students in middle school for what they're going to have to do in high school? The other key component here for assessing learning, though, is formative assessments. These are teacher-developed or selected assessments. They can be developed by coach. But what's really important here, especially if you have a team of teachers teaching one content area is having them work together to develop those formative assessments that they're using for progress monitoring. And that's going to really facilitate those discussions of their student learning. So when they get together for their data chats or their PLC time, those conversations are grounded in student learning. You cannot have those same conversations if every teacher is doing their own thing in terms of assessment. And the reason for that is because some teachers might have really difficult tests, some might have easy, some might have prefer multiple choice formats, some might prefer essay format, and you're gonna get a lot of variability in the test composition. And because of that, you're gonna really not be able to talk about how students are marching forward toward their goals in a meaningful fashion. So having at least some component of their assessment, it can even be something like your teachers get together and say, these are five questions that we all agree that we're going to put on our assessment. 
because we all teach the same grade level, the same subject. So let's put these five questions on and then we can talk about performance in a really meaningful way. And we can then exchange strategies and see, okay, are there any big picture areas where the students are not grasping these concepts? Is there one teacher whose kids seem to be doing really well on those concepts? Maybe he or she could share their teaching strategies or how are they covering that concept? So you can't do that though, unless you have some common assessments. And then the last step of this process is monitoring that student progress toward the learning goals and adjusting instruction. So this is tying into that continuous improvement model. This is taking those assessments that teachers have developed they've administered to their students, and now they're talking about them. They're having discussions centered around the student learning and around areas that might be in need of growth. They can share ideas for instruction, they can plan intervention together, but only if they have common data points. And they really need support from leadership to effectively discuss their data and to plan the next steps. What we see sometimes is teachers who are left on their own to do this type of planning, to have these types of discussions. And even if your teachers have been through a traditional teacher licensure program, even if they've been teaching for years, teachers typically do not have much background or much formal instruction in assessing their students and then using that data effectively. This is pretty well documented that there are a, there's a lot of variation out there in terms of the type and the quality of assessments that teachers are administering to their kids. It's well known that this is an area that teachers need a lot of support. So again, here's where if you're a coach, if you're an administrator supervising instruction, this is really where you need to plug in because your teachers are going to need that level of support from you. Now, if this is something that you are hearing and you're thinking about and some of this is resonating with you because you're realizing that your teachers might have more accountability goals or maybe your teachers don't have those common assessments or that culture where they can get together and talk about data and you might be starting to feel a little bit overwhelmed about this, please reach out to us. There's a link on our website. You can just click on it and schedule a complimentary consultation. We will talk to you. We'll talk through what's going on and we'll see if there are ways that we can plug in and lend support to you as you're going through this process. We've done this for years. We've done this for hundreds of teachers across all different content areas, ranging from math to physical education, to music, to language arts, to Chinese language. We have been through this process and we love going through this process. And so we are very happy and excited to support you if that's something that you are working towards. So please reach out to us. We'd be happy to help. Thanks so much for listening today. Thanks for joining us today.